0: Now, perhaps more than ever, the church needs strong, healthy, courageous men to step forward to answer God's call to the priesthood. But how does a man know if God is calling him? Today, we'll talk about that question with our special guest, Father Brett Brennan, author of the book, To Save a Thousand Souls, A Guide for Discerning a Vocation to the Priesthood. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Strategic Relations at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome Franciscan University presents. Uh, we'll be talking today about the call to the priesthood. I'm your host, uh, Michael Hernan, Vice President of Strategic Relations here at Franciscan University. I'm joined in our studio by our regular panelists, Dr. Regis Martin, who is a uh, professor of systematic theology here at Franciscan, and Dr. Scott Hahn, who holds the Father Michael Scanlon Chair in Biblical Theology and the New Evangelization here at Franciscan. And we're so happy to have Father uh, Brett Brennan. Um, Father, you um, you studied in. in uh, the priesthood in Mount St. Mary's, uh, but you also were a vocations director for your diocese. You were the vice rector at the uh, Mount St. Mary's uh, Seminary in Emmitsburg. And now you're just, again, as a, returned as a pastor in Savannah, Georgia. Right. Um, you're an author of two different books, uh, A Priest in the Family, a, a Guide for Parents Whose Sons Are Considering the Priesthood, and the book we're going to be primarily talking about today, To Save a Thousand Souls, A Guide for Discerning Vocation to Diocesan Priesthood. We'll probably talk a little bit about both of these. Um, you do retreats and, and parish missions, uh, you do uh, work with EWTN, I know, in the past, as well as work with seminarians and priests, uh, so it's, it's it's a joy to have you on the program, so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it is good to have you. So we are talking about something that's at the heart for, for a lot of us as Catholics, we always pray for vocations, yes. um, and you've been a priest, you've been a vocations director, you've been a vice rector of, of a major seminary. Um, what maybe maybe start with you? Uh, what what called you to the priesthood?
1: Well, I was raised not in a Catholic environment in a okay. little town called Statesboro, Georgia. Okay. My father's Baptist and <laughs> my mother's Catholic, and I'm from New Orleans, so okay. she was very Catholic. Oh yeah. And uh, so, but I never went to a Catholic school, and I was the only Catholic in my class. Okay. But I was just um, attracted at Mass, you know, to what sure. the priest was doing. I I couldn't get it out of my mind and heart that. And I couldn't understand why I was attracted to it, hmm. but uh, it wouldn't go away. Was it
0: very well. young age then? Yeah.
1: Even seven, eight years old. Wow. And yeah. I became a uh, an altar boy and basically served every Sunday because we didn't have very many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of experience.
2: Well, your your dad must have been wonderfully acquiescent uh, to let this happen.
1: My dad, was uh, he was very good about it. He basically said... M- Mom is the one who knows about religion, and nice. he, he never said a, 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 yep. an opposing word. Wow. So, wow! Wow! But um, so I uh, I grew up being the kind of the token Catholic in my class. So whenever there was a Catholic question, they would look at me and oh. um, you know, why do you have ashes on your head, and <laughs> that type of thing. But uh, growing up, I, I really was um, attracted to healing, and I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to go mm. to medical school. Mm. And I became, I began to work in hospital as an orderly and then as an EMT and as an emergency medical technician. I saw a lot of people die. Mm. I, I picked up people who were already dead and of course I wondered are they ready to meet Jesus face to face because they're, that's what's happening. Wow! And mm. I began to pray, Jesus I want to help people die well and the Lord said to me, I heard you know, very clearly, if you want to help people die well, then help them live well. And um, the priesthood kept coming back.
0: Wow, wow.
1: And um, I say, like Jeremiah, you doot me, Lord, and I let myself do <laughs> but, uh, but I love being a priest, 26 years. Um, I really struggled, even after University of Georgia. I went to the seminary, and I left the seminary after First Theology. I stayed out a couple of years, okay. really struggling. I was so attracted to marriage and family you know, having my own children, and I still had in my mind to be a doctor. And mm. um, so I struggled, and then I, I went back, and then I, before I even got back, I left again. Mm. God bless the poor bishop. He was so kind to me, and he accepted me again. And finally, you know, I, in hindsight, God was not just calling me to be a priest, but to be a formator, of other priests. Mm. I'm not blaming my hard head on God, mm-hmm. but I'm mm-hmm. saying that he, it was all part of his plan yes. for me to be patient and to learn to work with young men.
0: Yeah, because you had to then learn it
3: even more deeply, which then you could pass on.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You
3: know, the essence of the priesthood is obviously sacrifice, but not a sacrifice that is extrinsic to the priest. And so for you to have that desire for marriage, for family, for a medical profession, you know, and then to be called You already were beginning the practice of personal sacrifice by laying that upon the altar to respond you know when i when you when you hear of people who become priests because they had no real attraction well i would say you know that ought to be rethought precisely because sacrifice really is an essential part not just sacrificing an alternative vocation but carrying the cross every day i mean it really is a a high and holy vocation i mean Lay people are called to be saints, too. I mean, don't Perhaps get me wrong, sure, but yes. with two sons now in the seminary, I am more aware than ever of the, uh, the, the demands, the sacrifices that these men make just to respond to the vocation. It's, it's staggering. Know, what, what really fascinates me, uh, Father, about your narrative is
2: the place of death in mm, the unfolding yeah, mm, of this mm, desire to become a priest of, of God. Uh, that, because really, our religion, its, its point of origin is death. Yeah. Life comes from death, mm-hmm. the right. pierced and crucified side of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not Pentecost where the church uh, is made, but Calvary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for you to encounter death and then from there to sort of segue in really the most natural way uh, to this hunger uh, for uh, a priesthood, uh, yeah. that, that is really compelling. Yeah. They help people
1: live forever, you know, and our eschatological destiny is to be with God forever. Yeah. And, um, you know, St. John Paul II says that we are to live our life in the dimension of gift. You know, we have to constantly, in every vocation, right, we are giving ourselves as a gift to others. And um, that's what makes us happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in every vocation. Well, well, if
2: life is just a preparation for death, that becomes the ultimate gift. You bestow yourself, you surrender yourself to God. Absolutely. Uh, And and the priest, who who better uh, situated? to prepare the soul uh, to meet God at that, uh, that blinding moment of, of, of discovery. Yeah, yeah.
1: When people ask me, you know, what is a priest? What does a priest do? I'll, I'll often, of course, you know, we can answer the three moon or a you know, priest, prophet, and king, but right. I always like to say the purpose of a priest is to bring people to Jesus and Jesus to people. Yeah. Mm. And a priest does that in a, in a way that no one else in any other vocation can it doesn't mean he's better, it means it's different to the way Jesus yeah. has set up his church. Yeah. You know, to offer the sacrifice of Christ, to wash away sins, um, to preach and to teach. But even just to get on an airplane, I have a, you know, the first duty of a priest is to pray, says St. John Vianney, our patron. I have a personal devotion that whenever I get on a plane, the first thing I do is I pray my rosary mm. for the holiness and salvation of every person on that plane. Mm. I may never see them again, That's beautiful. that doesn't matter. I'm a priest and yeah. that's my first duty to pray for God's children. Yeah.
2: Mm. Well, also that the pilot will know how to fly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, when I get on the plane, I and always travel in my clerics, you know, people, oh, Father, we're so glad you're on the plane. It's like the plane's not going down because I'm
0: on it, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, I've had people say the opposite, saying, uh-oh, Is, do we need a priest right.
3: on this <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember being in the Philadelphia airport one time coming back from Rome with my family, and almost every flight was canceled going west because of tornadoes, especially in Pittsburgh. We We heard, but for one reason or another, the the flight to Pittsburgh wasn't canceled. It was the only one left on the board. And so we were delayed, and I saw a priest there in the the gate area. (laughs) And so I walked up to him, and I said, "Uh, before we board this flight, you know, would you hear my confession? And, and after a couple of minutes, you know, he absolved me, and we looked up, and there was a line of eight or ten people behind me. And he gives me two thumbs up. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. That is
1: awesome.
0: Well, well, the the hound of heaven wouldn't let you go. You know, he pursued you even though you weren't sure uh, where you were called. But clearly, you were called to a healing profession. Clearly, you were called to a fatherly, pastoral, sacrificial, loving gift of self uh, vocation here. Um, But but looking at even the foundation of understanding the priesthood, um, are there and what are, really, the connections between the Catholic priesthood and the priesthood of the Old Testament? And Just to kind of give us a sense of where it fits in the line of salvation history, if you
1: will. You know, your your first comment, Archbishop Carlson has a great line. He'll say, "Um, I'm constantly amazed at the number of men who are priests who did everything in their power they would not be. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm one of those, and I really thank God. I love being a priest mm, so much. I could no. never do anything else. But I almost threw it away, yeah. and I'm so grateful to God. He was always respected my free will, but he never stopped calling me. a yes. priest offers sacrifice. You know, in the South, people don't see a lot of Catholic priests. Mm. And they will say to me, you know, Father, in my religion we call our leader pastor, preacher, Minister why do we call you priest and of course I answered them well I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher and I'm a minister, but I said I'm a priest because I offer the sacrifice of Jesus Christ Perpetuated throughout time. Hmm. I said just like the priest of the Old Testament would offer sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins But it was never sufficient because we kept sinning and now that the Lamb of God has come and died for us and on the altar of the cross my job is to perpetuate that sacrifice Mm. Um, and i love doing that i love celebrating mass and i said to i have 430 children in my catholic school (laughs) so i always say i'm like the a woman who lives in the shoe (laughs) (coughs) and um you know the other day we had our children come to mass every day during lent and i said to them i said at the end of the mass i said do you realize that because i'm a catholic priest i just fed 500 people with the body and blood of jesus christ Before eight thirty a.m. That's a pretty good day's work.
3: (laughs) You can go to sleep after After that. that, You just just answered the question. The essence of a priest is to be a father, a provider, a breadwinner. Only the bread that you win is Eucharistic, unlike what we do as as dads. You know. And if you go back to the Old Testament, that's what you find. I mean, sacrifice, as you said, is the essence. And already in Genesis 4, you have Abel offering the firstlings of his flock. But the first person to be called priest in the, in the Old Testament is Melchizedek in Genesis 14, as you know. And his offering, curiously, is bread and wine, you know. Yeah. And I think that's huge, because that connects the Old and the New so well already back in Genesis.
2: Yeah. Well, you have a, a wonderful quip uh, in your book about uh, nobody uh, will ever call you dad, yeah. but gosh, thousands of people call you father.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A correct priestly identity is so important. Yeah. If we don't know what a priest is, we can't live the priesthood in a happy and fulfilling way. And this is one of the things in the genius of St. John Paul II and Pastor Stabo Vobis, his document on on the priesthood and priestly formation. Yes. you know he, he he really gives us that, such a clear priestly identity. I do a lot of priest retreats, and that's one of the things priests will say to me. You know, especially sometimes they'll say, you know, they'll say, Father, I'm a priest today not because of my formation, but in spite of it. Hmm. And they just didn't get a sound. It yeah. was just Those were difficult times after the council. Right. There was a lot of confusion about what a priest was supposed to be. Yes, Yeah. I used to always say when I was a young vocation director to a young man, do you think you're called to be a priest or do you think you're called to holy marriage or one of the other vocations? After studying the theology of the body of St. John Paul II, Mm. I now say, to which marriage are you called? Right,
2: yeah, wow.
1: You are called to marriage. Every man is called to love and to give himself as a gift and to have children. Right, And if I don't recognize that's what I'm here for, to bring these beloved children to Jesus Christ,
2: And I'm you're wedded a, yeah. to his bride. Wedded
1: to his a bride, bride. Mm. absolutely. For, for
2: whom you have a fierce, ardent love, uh, yeah. or, or you should. I'm a married And that bride. your
1: whole
0: life is about that gift of self. Yes. Wow, yeah. That's, and it's an easy way to know that where, where you really are a director of vocations at that point, because you're not just, yes. you're, you're all called vocations
3: about a gift of self. And it's just, are you given to this marriage or... Uh, To this sort of marriage and building on marriage then again fatherhood, you know fatherhood according to the flesh For those who have the sacrament of matrimony and fatherhood according to the spirit as John Paul put it You know because fatherhood according to the spirit in some ways not only approximates st. Joseph But also Jesus and, and and God as well. I'm I'm reminded in the Old Testament of this passage in Judges 18 and 19 where Micah approaches a Levite and says would you be to me a father and a priest And he becomes a domestic chaplain for this man's household. And then in the next chapter, the Danites come along from the tribe of Dan and say, would you be to us a father and a priest without any apparent awareness of how Micah had pitched the proposal? Back then, it was just understood universally that to be a priest is to be a father, and to be a father is a priest. I mean, animals have male, you know, males who generate, but they're not fathers because they're not persons. There really is something profound. but but beautiful, too, about the the way in which a parish priest becomes a living symbol of Christ, but also a supernatural dad. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. And that's a profound way to look at the priesthood, seeing all of these levels, both from the old and the insight that we have there, as well as what that sacrifice means today. We don't just call you a pastor, although you are a pastor, but you're a priest and you offer on behalf of the people. Um, Stay with us for the next segment of Franciscan University Presents.
4: For a man discerning the priesthood, he should consult with his vocation director of his diocese or religious community he may be interested in. He also should go to prayer, especially mass, confession, and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Here at Franciscan University, in our priestly discernment program, prayer and spiritual direction is an integral part for helping our young men discern the priesthood. In general, you should definitely surround yourself with people who are being able to help you, support you in your vocational discernment and the way of life that you're asking God is, if it's His will.
2: At Franciscan University of Steubenville, you'll find faith and reason, wisdom and grace, mercy and truth. You'll study under world-class scholars and seasoned practitioners who are committed to Christ and His church. With over 40 majors and pre-professional programs, you'll find the formation you need to succeed. At Franciscan University, you'll find more than just a college you'll find yourself in an educational experience as singular as you are.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've been talking about discerning the priesthood uh, with Father uh, Brett Brennan. He's written two books, Priest in the Family as well as To Save a Thousand Souls. Um, The uh, Priest in the Family is about families who have a son who might be discerning the priesthood uh, as well as the the To Save a Thousand Souls for the man who's discerning the priesthood. So since you've written a lot, you spent a lot of your life both in rectory and vocations work, Let's talk about what discernment really is. What, what, what does that mean? We talk about it a lot, but what does discernment uh, mean and what does it look like?
1: First of all, believing that God has a plan for every, every man, every woman. The first vocation, we don't have to discern, yes. and that is Christ's likeness, holiness, right? right? The only success recognized by God is Christ's likeness, St. John Paul says. And so we have to work on our first vocation before we can know our second. Yeah. which is a state in life, priesthood, religious life, marriage, et cetera, single. And so the um, discerning is is learning to trust in Jesus, believing he has a plan, mm-hmm. that, and that plan is the one that's going to give you the best opportunity to become a saint. Mm-hmm. If, if I always say I'm a round peg in a round hole, I'm called to be a priest, and I'm a priest, and this is my best chance to really live the fullness of, of, of Christianity and to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The first thing that has to be done is, is really we have to learn to pray and we have to have trust that Jesus loves us mm. and that he has a plan for our happiness. It's the biggest issue in priestly formation today and discernment is a lack of trust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I, call, I talk about the four eyes of priestly discernment, okay? And they are inspiration, invitation, information and intimacy with the person of Jesus. So the first thing you see a priest offering Mass, you see him visiting the sick, a young person says, wow, look at that great work, I'm inspired by that, I could do that. And then that priest or someone else goes to that young man and says to him, you know what, if God were calling you, you would be a good priest, please pray about it. So there's an invitation that can come in many ways. But the vocation can die on the vine without information. Yeah. They need to know what to do next. They need to know what priesthood is, what priest, most Catholics, even priests who go, uh, Catholics who go to Mass every day, have no idea what a priest does all day. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know what their, a priest's life is like. Yeah. And so we need to give them good information so they know how to discern what priesthood is, just basic information, like the fact that greater than 90% of all priests say that they love what they do and would choose it again every day. They're yeah. fulfilled, yeah, they're happy. Yeah. And priesthood is a life of intimacy. Jesus would never ask a person to give up something essential to human happiness. It's a different kind of intimacy. It's very profound intimacy. Yeah. The priest has with God's people.
2: Yeah. That's know? a beautiful uh, schematic, uh, yes. Father. Did you yes. come up with that uh, by yourself? I did. That's really moving.
1: And the last one is is intimacy with Jesus in the sense of prayer. Yeah, we have to. If a young man is not praying, he's not discerning. Yeah.
2: Well, that was the great discovery I made when I read your book, and I must confess I put it off for a while because I couldn't find it. It was beneath <laughs> the chaos of my office. But when I stumbled upon it, I I I I, I just uh, devoured it with great greed and zest. And I randomly chose chapter 6 right at the beginning, which is about the plan of life. And it was like a sunburst uh, because you make the point that this kid, who had been discerning uh, in conversation with a priest about his vocation, and he kept holding fire until finally he said, you know, I'll pray about it, and Mm. bingo! Uh, he acknowledges, yeah, I've got a vocation, and I need to join the seminary straight away. And then you had that quote from, I think he's now Archbishop Carlson, who said, the real disparity I find in my diocese is not between liberal and conservative clergy, but between those who pray and those who don't pray exactly. and if you don't pray then you're not gonna hear the call even if if Christ is shouting at you
1: right. you're just not gonna pick it up if yeah. you're not praying Satan's great weapon is fear yeah. and all those fears are gonna surface and you're gonna make decisions based on fear you right. don't make decisions based on fear that's right, right. Make them on yeah. love and trust in yeah. Jesus Christ yeah. mm. So if we're not praying, we're not discerning. Yeah.
2: Well, trust is the key. I mean, we, we're told that, that, that uh, the language of hope is prayer. Yes. That's the content of, of our, our hope. Our eschatological consciousness is the Lord's prayer. Right. And that is an invitation to hope.
1: St. Mother Teresa says there's only three steps in the spiritual life. Loving trust, total surrender, and joy. Yeah. It's very, very simple the way saints always say things, so right. powerfully and right. so yeah. simply. Yeah. Yeah. Loving trust in the person of Jesus, yeah. and then abandon yourself into his hands. Yeah. He, God will never sin you, or his grace cannot sustain you. Hmm. You know, it
3: seems hmm. to me that this is the single most important element the foundation of it all even though it's the fourth in the eyes yes intimacy with christ a life of prayer though not easy is absolutely necessary you know you spoke earlier quoting john paul of the the dimension of gift Mm. and i think a lot of times people would assume that sort of means that the priest is always available you know to be picked apart you know can you come over you know and so you're basically 24 7 and and in a certain sense you are especially in near-death occasions that sort of thing but really, the dimension of gift has another aspect to it, and that is you know, your availability to Christ. You know, because you can feel like, oh, people want so much of me. You know? But really, what they want from the priest is not the priest, but Jesus, the high exactly. priest. Exactly. Yeah. And so you can't give what you don't have. And so the availability to Jesus is sort of like inhaling. You, you have nothing to exhale if you haven't right. breathed in right. Jesus. And that, I think it's also important to recognize that... If you find prayer difficult, you know, it's not because you're damned, (laughs) you know, it's not because you're an unbeliever, it's because prayer can be very difficult. Intimacy with Christ is a goal. It isn't, you know, it isn't supposed to be something that every Catholic feels every day. Otherwise, I think priests and lay people would be sort of bereft, you know, what's wrong with me? Well, what's wrong with us is we're sinners. We struggle and we, we struggle even in prayer. Yeah, that is
1: beautiful. Sometimes I think, you know, and I, I, I speak with priests about this, sometimes we have to acknowledge that a priest knows his theology, but he doesn't know Christ. Because mm-hmm. he's not praying. And people can tell when they when you preach, when you teach, when you talk, if their priest is praying. That's right. Yeah.
3: Do you know Jesus?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference between
3: Christ and Christology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: Yeah. You know, what I find really freeing is uh, the insistence you make that nobody can ever take a moral holiday from trying to be holy Mm -hmm. it's not just what priests and nuns do it's not the carthusian way it's the human way it's part of the human adventure contemplation is for everyone we're all called to be saints that's the universal vocation and i like the way you put it it's not something you need to discern it's already inscribed in your being this summons this call from christ
0: yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And so, so for a man who is, is, you know, th- let's assume that they've got their first vocation, uh, that they understand the universal call to holiness, to to be like Christ, and to, to be uh, have some level of intimacy. What are those steps? I mean, it, it is, it is. Maybe they were inspired, and then you talk about the uh, the information that they might need. What are some of those things that they should do at this point? I mean, is it is it simply just prayer and trust? And
1: no, the. A lot of times, young men will say to me, Father, I keep asking Jesus, do you want me to be a priest? Do you want me to be a priest? Why won't he answer? And I will say, maybe you're not ready for the answer. Hmm. Maybe your your own life of holiness is not, you're not ready to hear this or you're not ready to move on it. Maybe God is, you know, I always say, God can't drive a parked car, move. <laughs> Jesus, what do you want me to do? But, Jesus says, I'll tell you, move. Yeah, meaning. Gather information. Yeah. Go on vocation retreats. Um, you know, talk to your vocation writer. Many men usually start out as a cyber discerner. You know, they're online, they're looking Lord. at websites, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But the point, well, the, the, you always reach the point where you can, you have to come out of the closet and acknowledge your discerning priesthood, and you need to contact the vocation writer, Yes. And the the, the bishop is placed in charge. So that you, he, you can't discern in priesthood without the church. That's right. He's got to be a part of that discernment. Yeah. Many men are really intimidated by that because um. they don't want to be getting letters from the says <laughs> vocation office in the right, you know, and that type of thing. But we have to, uh, you know, I talk about seven stages of priestly discernment. I have a chapter on that that I just kind of came up with through the years, and a lot of men don't realize that by the fourth stage, I call discernment shift. That's the day when a man says, I can no longer discern priesthood anymore until I go to the seminary. Yeah. Now there's yeah. stage five, six, and seven in the seminary. Yeah. Right. To go to the seminary is not signing in blood you're gonna be a priest. That's right.
3: That's
0: right.
1: All you're saying is Jesus wants me to go to the seminary now and I'll stay a year and then I'll do what he tells me. Yeah. That's all we're saying. It's all we ask our men to do. One year at a time. And some of our greatest lay leaders Spent years in the seminary some men are called to go to the seminary who are not being called to be priests Yeah, but they listen to the Lord when he tells them to go and they listen to the Lord yeah. when he sends them.
2: Well, I, I think of Thomas More who tried his vocation with the Carthusians. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and look what happened to him. That's right, that's right. He lost
3: his head. He lost <laughs> his head. But he found his vocation. That's right. al- that's I also right. spent the last weekend with a, with a focused missionary who had been in the seminary for at least three years. And I found that his capacity for disciplined prayer, mm. his desire for outreach, but also, you know, his desire for asceticism fasting and this sort of thing Mm. you know he's married he's got children and all of the rest but you know, he has this cross pollination yeah. that I think we have to find wherever we go. You know, yes, yes. but it really is a—it's a good point. I'm not—I'm not suggesting that therefore you would go to seminary with an idea of getting this and then leaving. Yeah. You know,
1: some men hope that, that God's going to call them out when they come, and they'll tell you that. That's right. But they're still generous enough to be there. Yes. And yes. To yeah. be there
3: so that's the—that f-
0: that, those are the kind of steps that you need to take in That—that that is really sacrificial, but it, it leaves a good mark on you either way, right. even if you discern out, if you will. How do we believe that it's the yeah.
1: priestly formation? And today, because of again the genius of Saint John Paul II, is the greatest it's ever been in the history of the Church. When I visit seminaries, diocesan seminaries, and I've visited nearly everyone in the country, I'm so impressed with what they're doing with these men. And we used to have Family Day at Mount Saint Mary's, and all the parents would come, and we would describe the four, you know, the four pillars of priestly formation, and and we would describe how we accomplish this formation. And parents would walk up to me and say, Father, I need this. I want to stay. <laughs> and i say, no, you can't stay. It's just for preaching. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they see it's such a wonderful formation yes. in virtue yes. and, and prayer and just being the man or woman God is calling you to be in the case of if men and women, but. You
2: know. Well, evidently mm-hmm. provision is also made for laughter, right? Wasn't that the? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that uh, uh, comment that one of the uh, rectors made. Yes, you know so. it's a healthy place if you walk down the corridor and you can hear the men laughing.
1: The two things we always looked for. That's a good sign. Look in the chapel, are there men praying? Night and day, there were always men praying before yeah. the Blessed Sacrament. And number two, laughter ringing through the halls. Right. Mm-hmm. Then we would look at each other, the, the rector, and say, we have, we have a good seminar.
3: Oh, that's <laughs> well, this points to another aspect, and that is priestly fraternity. I mean, mm. not only are they oh, called yeah. a spiritual paternity, but they need each other. I mean, they need friendship outside, but especially do they need priestly fraternity. I, I find that in the diocese I visit, where there's a great em- effort to cultivate priestly fraternity, the, the, the priests are flourishing more. They enjoy their priesthood because they're not just fathers, they're also brothers with their fellow priests. I think especially
2: diocesan priests, because it's so isolating. It's It's an occupational
1: hazard uh, because most diocesan priests, many are going to live alone and sometimes separated by great distances. And so little things can get to be big things, little problems. So, you know, I often talk about priestly fraternity, I talk about spiritual direct, you know, St. Bernard of Clairvaux said, he who is his own master is the disciple of a fool. Yeah. We need a spiritual director. That's
0: right. That's right. I made and, this comment. St. John Vianney talked about a priest alone is a priest in danger. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. We
1: isolate ourselves. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, you know, I, I made the comment once on a, on a priest retreat that from my experience of visiting different presbyterates, speaking to the priest, <clears throat> that I would wager that 50% or more of diocesan priests in this country do not have a spiritual director mm-hmm. with whom they're meeting regularly and being t- total disclosure. The bishop was present. He came up after, and he said, Father, I agree with your thesis, but I disagree with your statistic. I think it's 80%. Oh,
3: wow,
0: wow.
1: And that's a real problem.
0: Yeah. Stay with us for the next segment of Franciscan University
4: Presents. It's entirely possible to discern a vocation to the priesthood and or the consecrated life for a young man while he's involved in normal activities. For myself, for example, I discern the priesthood both while I was a college student and while I was a full-time math teacher at a Catholic high school. At our Franciscan University of Steubenville, our students who are in the Priestly Discernment Program are living a normal college life here. But they're at the same time, they're in a uh, rigorous program of life-giving prayer and fraternal bonds, which allows them to discern the priesthood at a concentrated level. And so for anybody who wants to discern the priesthood, I'd highly recommend to do what you're doing in your daily life because God will speak through many of those activities and to be able to avail yourself of the sacraments so that God can speak to you through that prayer as well.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. Uh, This entire program springs forth from the very heart of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. We're recording this right now in our communication arts studios. Our students are operating the cameras and equipment. Our regular panelists are theology professors here at the university. Um, Father, we've been talking about discernment. We've been talking about what that looks like and some practical steps. Um, But but I want to talk a little bit about what what are some of the the fears uh, that you have experienced or seen or witnessed from men discerning the priesthood, um, and and how do they overcome some of those fears?
1: Sure, and and you know fears um, can can literally terrorize people. You know their whole lives can be dominated. Uh, you know Jesus uh, comes. How many times does he say, "Do not be afraid"? Right. right what right. does he say? Three hundred sixty-six times, <laughs> once or every day of the year, including leap year. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, but the, you know, number one, obviously, of a, for a young man, is going to be celibacy. Yes. You know, this is a, a very challenging a call issue. of God. Mm-hmm. A man, you know, feels a, a very strong attraction to marriage and family and the sexual experience. Can I be happy without that? Is very, very normal. And this is something that has to grow through prayer and through spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. To be called to be a diaconus priest in the Latin Rite means you're called. You're being given the gift of celibacy. Mm. That you're able to love and to be joyful and to have that intimacy um, as a priest, as a celibate, mm. and so uh, that was something that I really struggle with myself, just really praying about that. And has God given me that gift? There's fear of, um, of you know, opposition from family, which was one of the reasons I, I wrote Priest in the Family, because yeah. you know every year, every year when the Kara uh, research comes yes. out of those being ordained priests, always. 50 to 60% of those being ordained will say that a, f- that a parent or family member actively tried to dissuade them from being a priest or going wow. to the seminary.
0: And those are the ones who actually made it through, right? So
1: how many yeah. Right. Yeah. had that parental opposition and never went to the seminary even though they should have?
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: so, um, but it's knowledge. You know, knowledge is a very, prayer is essential to, t- right. to cast out fear because right. prayer means that we begin to trust in Jesus. We believe in Him that he's going to give us happiness. I've come that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. To accept your vocation will bring joy,
0: mm.
1: not sadness. But that's that's I, I, the, a battle of the heart, so, isn't
0: so it? So the men, the men overcome, like thinking of the celibacy, thinking of even the parents or, or family members' opposition, they overcome these through prayer, through deeper knowledge of what it, what they're really giving up what they're sacrificing as well as what they're receiving is that you talked about celibacy as a gift you know I mean that that, that's even just understanding that more deeply what that means is Mm -hmm. is that what you've seen uh, the men who have struggled through these fears and overcome them Um,
1: and the knowledge of priestly identity I'm a married man I'm married to the bride of Christ I'm a father I'm a husband and that's Mm -hmm. the question we ask Mm -hmm. in the seminary is this man capable of being a husband and father to the bride of Christ. Right. Because that's what he is. Yeah. And now remind when you remind men of that, Jesus is never gonna ask you to give up that intimacy that your heart mm. desires. It comes in a in a very different way. Right. Um, prayer is essential, you know, because that keeps our, us focused on Christ and not on ourselves. Right. And to trust, to learn to trust him. Mm. I always recommend the prayer of abandonment. Mm. Charles de Facal, mm-hmm. fantastic prayer, yeah. i say that every day. And then secondly, good information. We need to know what priesthood is, what marriage is. We need to know what we're discerning between. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've
1: had men come to me wanting to be priests, but their family background was so devastating. They had never seen a, never seen a Christian marriage. They had never seen a marriage that worked. Mm. <laughs> and so I would say to them, we've got to get you in some good families so you, can, you can't give up something you don't know. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It's got to be choice between two goods.
1: Absolutely. You
2: know, uh, given all of these indices of uh, of discouragement and, and some of pathology, it's a wonder that any young man ever becomes a, a priest. I mean, it's, it's off-putting enough that you would find hostility in your own family, members trying to thwart this uh, vocation from God. But the culture itself conspires. Uh, against uh, a right reading of of human sexuality, we're awash in a kind of erotomania, and for men to rise above that requires really a certain heroic temper. Uh, so it's tough. Yeah,
3: it's yeah. a struggle. It explains why we're in a marriage crisis as well as a, a crisis in priestly vocations? Because you know, people might assume, well, you know. I've got a sexual drive, you know, and so therefore my default is marriage. Well, it's a sacrament too, uh, because we don't have in our own fallen nature what we need to be faithful and, you know, everything else that marriage calls us to. I remember once uh, when one of the boys who's in seminary now um, overheard me say to somebody that, uh, you know, uh, I I was telling him, because he was saying, I I don't find the priesthood attractive at all. I said, well if you don't find the priesthood attractive, that doesn't tell me that you're not called. It just tells me you haven't understood the priesthood yet. (laughs) Because there's something intrinsically attractive about priesthood as there is marriage, you know. And my son said, what is it that's so intrinsically attractive about priesthood? And I gave him a document that I just finished reading by Pope Pius XII, now blessed. And it was Sacra Virginitas. You know, because all he could think about was what he would have to give up. Mm-hmm. Not what he would get. That's right. Like the rich young ruler who went away sad because, the you know, the riches. He would have gotten many more riches in Christ. And so he came back and he said, I'm going to read this again next year. And he reads it now every year and shares it with other people too because he found the intrinsically desirable, attractive part of the priesthood. You know, and to paraphrase St. Josemaría Escrivá, you know, uh, when asked about this, he said, you know, well, I— uh, it's not that different from you, sir, he was a married man. You can't have any women except one, and I can't have any. But I've discovered, obviously, from the confessional, that that doesn't, you know, that, that's not easy right. either, you know. Yeah. It's a sacramental grace that enables us to be sacrificial sure. in either vocation.
1: You know, we and the Irish have a saying, a bad start is a quick finish. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> and a lot of people begin marriage or begin courting in marriage as if this person can fill that god-shaped right. hole called a soul.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, a young had a young couple once and I asked that we're getting married and I so I said why do you want to get married and the little girl was the catholic and she was, you know, a very sweet little girl. Oh father this man is so wonderful and you know, he fulfills me and I went, "No, no, no." Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she said I said it in a joking way but I what what father? What did I say? Yeah. Only Jesus can fill you. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's not his job and it's not your job to fill him. Right. It, that is
2: so necessary I think to impart. Yeah. <gasps> no human relationship is adequate to human desire. That's right. The That's our is infinite. Yeah.
1: yeah. And a priest, a celibate, a, a religious sister, religious brother, um, what we say to the world by our life is that very thing. Yeah. Jesus alone can fill me. Amen. Yeah. And, the, and our eschatological fulfillment in heaven, the one marriage, that's where we're going. Right. So we're yeah. living signs. As I walk through the airport or I walk through my, my town in and my, and my collar, people look at that and they say, Jesus is real. Yeah, or at least yeah. it makes them think about him doesn't Yeah, why,
0: yeah. You know? There's so many beautiful um, writings, and we've talked about uh, Blessed uh, Pius and John Paul that have written on the beauty of this, and, and really in your book itself is great, because that, that, that truth uh, that will set you free from those fears, you know, yes. that, that truth that will unleash some of these uh, apparent obstacles that maybe aren't obstacles. I think if you're serious about your first vocation of holiness, the priesthood and married life will be attractive. But it's, it's, a, it's a really, as you go back to saying earlier, just that what, are you the round peg for the round hole? What's the right fit? Where is God calling you to be a saint? And how are those gifts going to be used? Uh, it's powerful.
1: Our parents are so important in, in of course, passing the faith to us. You know, that's God's plan. And, um, but at the same time, there comes the time when we have to say, and Jesus predicted this, didn't he? Mm. He said, I've come to turn a, a you know, father against their son. Yeah. And there comes a time when, we ha- when every young man or woman have to realize that our Heavenly Father has more important things to say to us even than our beloved earthly father. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the one who has a plan that will bring us true happiness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Most of us have tried our own plan, starting with yeah. me, yeah. and um, it didn't work. Yeah. And, and if we finally realize, no more of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Of course, well, the, the earthly father really does have a crucial yeah. part to play. And what I, role? I think of someone like you, Scott. I'm, yeah. I'm, there's no end of admiration I have for what you've done. You've shaped your boys in such a way that two of them would like to become priests. That's astonishing.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's God's fault. That's <laughs> for certain, you know. But I, I like what you emphasized earlier, and that is when you're in the seminary, It's not because, you know, kerplunk, you're a priest, but you're discerning. And I I try to keep a loose grip on this, and I encourage them to, because, you know, I I find that a lot of people just say, oh, your two sons are going to be priests. Well, they're in the seminary.
1: That's right. And they
3: find the priesthood something attractive. They sense that there might be a vocation, but that has to be fulfilled. And I always find that as a father, I've got to step back. I don't just have to make room for God. I've got to make more room by sort of not be pretending to be their spiritual directors and that sort of thing. I mean, mm. I can do a lot of things to encourage, you know. But at the same time, you really have to kind of hand the torch on. Right. To the so, True so Father. W- either of you, uh, what what do parents do when
0: they when they may see uh, e- whether they they know their son or daughter or son or daughter have a, a religious or priestly vocation? But what are some of the steps the parents can do? We talked about they can be an obstacle. Uh, but what are some of the things a parent
1: you know, I think the ideal parent says to their son or their daughter, whatever they're discerning, listen, I love you and I'll, I want you to do the will of God. If you're called to be, this boy, if you're called to be a priest, I'd be proud of you and excited. But if you're called to holy marriage, I would be equally excited and mm. proud of you. Or whatever, religious life, whatever you're called to, Because, but I want you to do the will of God.
3: That's it. Yeah. The three things I always say are thank you, I'm proud of you, God's will be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's that And and the one thing that you must never do is denigrate the priesthood. Right. Right. Uh, right. That is so important. You know, I think before they're in the seminary, Kimberly's had an iron law, and that is never criticize a priest, right. and not just in public, but at the dinner table. Right. You know, yeah. and and if the homily wasn't good, find the crumb that you could right. consume and nourish you, and right. you know, and and it hasn't always been followed, but when it's violated the correction comes, you know. And so our kids have grown up recognizing that because the sacrifices they make, the slip-ups, we're going to cover them just like Shem and Japheth covered (laughs) Noah's nakedness, you you know.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Father, you talked about this earlier about kind of the fraternity um, among that you saw in seminaries, you yes. know. And I know from my own uh, brother-in-law, the, the, the men he was studying for the priesthood in the seminary together really were the reason he said, "This is this is home." Not just the—he knew the priesthood was his call, but he knew this is the diocese, this is the place for me because of the fraternity he had there. Um, what, what can friends, maybe not seminarians, do in helping their their friends discern?
1: We used to always say when, when I was worked in the seminary, that you know, the seminarians themselves do probably 50 percent of the formation, hmm. with one another. Yes, because they're sitting at the table together, and let's say one of those men who is not being called to be a priest, but he's obeyed God by coming to the seminary. Yeah. sitting at that table and just listening, he begins to get this idea, "I don't fit here. Hmm. Not, but these, I love these men. They're holy, they're going to be, but I don't fit. It's, it's, mm. it's the way the Holy Spirit works. Mm. Friendships are so important. Yeah. And, and we, as priests, you know, I always say when we come together, sometimes we talk about everything except Jesus. Mm. We need to talk about Jesus. We talk about our, our faith and our priesthood. So, I, you know, I'm a member of a Jesus Caritas group, and we mm. meet together. We pray with each other. We pray for each other. And we share our lives as priests, that's part of the intimacy that we have. Mm. Many seminarians say it's the hardest thing because the camaraderie was so great in the Mm. seminary and then they're ordained and it seems to stop. They're by themselves, maybe the pastor is not that, you know, um, they're not get along that well. And so that's very difficult for young priests to develop that intimacy and to develop proper relationships with other priests. Right. Yeah. Know?
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And and do you see um, the prayers of the faithful, the laity uh, growing in support of that kind of priestly vocation, discernment? You know,
1: when, when a priest lives his life, when he prays and when he generously gives himself as a gift, people can see Jesus in their priest and they're so grateful. Mm. They're so good to us they mm. are much better than we deserve. Mm. You know, I always say that when, when people come to my office, um, one of the things that I always will do is at the end of our meeting, these are a couple, may I pray over you? No oh. one's ever said no. Yeah. And I will put my hands on their, put your heads together, husband and wife, and they put their hands together, their heads together, I put my hands on the side of their head, and I just pray from my heart and ask Jesus to bless them. They're yeah. almost always crying. Mm. Almost always crying at the end. It's a, it's a moment of great intimacy. But very appropriate intimacy, a spiritual father praying for his children. That's beautiful. And asking God to bless them. And yeah. when we do that kind of thing, we feel that intimacy, we experience it. And that's why priests are happy.
0: Amen. Amen. Say what's to the final segment of
4: presents. As director of Franciscan University of Steubenville's Priestly Discernment Program, I encounter not only a lot of young men who are discerning the priesthood, but quite often their parents who are actively involved in their son's lives to be able to help them prepare for such a vocation. This is a great thing. Parental involvement is crucially important in a young man's life to be able to discern what God wants for him, especially if it's to the priesthood. Parents should be supportive of this. But at the same time, parents also have to remember that the vocation to the consecrated life or the priesthood is a vocation that needs to first and foremost come from God. And while the parents have a vitally important role in that, the young man needs to be entering into a life of prayer and fraternal bonds himself so that he can discover that vocation on his own in the light of God. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by
0: inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily Mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. This is our final segment. So Regis, could you start us off? Yeah, um, I I
2: can't uh, thank you enough, uh, Father, for coming and commending uh, your ministry, the work that you do. I mean, priesthood is the lifeblood of uh, of the church, of the faith. I can't uh, even uh, conceive of where I would be in the absence of so many holy priests Uh, who have graced uh, my life. Mm -hmm. I was uh, much struck by something you said near the end of uh, the last segment, that oftentimes uh, a a gang of priests will gather for a meal, but nobody will ever talk about Jesus. And it reminded me of a a beautiful line from Max Picard's The World of Silence, a, a really breathtaking book, who says that when two people come together, and converse there's always a third person uh, and his name is silence Mm -hmm. and jesus is that silent presence who hovers about us uh, in his spirit and we need to plug in to talk about jesus because after all we've fallen uh, fiercely in love with him and with his bride the church uh, for whom he gave his life so he ought to be uh, i i think uh, uh, present uh, in, in the life of not just the priest, but, but lay people, everybody. Uh, and, and the other uh, comment I wanted to make was, you quote Francis de Sales uh, in your book, who says that really an eighth sacrament of the priesthood is study. And I would extend that to seminarians. And one of the things that I found so fetching about Archbishop John Myers when I first met him when he was Bishop of Peoria, was the fact that he didn't stop reading. He was reading everything. He read even my books. Uh, And he was nourished by what he read, and he insisted that his seminarians read. You never give up the life of the mind. Uh, And if you do, you can tell, certainly from the homily, that it's pretty threadbare. It's an embarrassment. Uh, So I I think that aspect of the business really does need to be stressed. The cultivation of an interior life that extends not only to holy things, but holy books. Uh, And those books uh, are hallowed. And they invite us, really, to savor uh, uh, at uh, the fountainhead of of
3: wisdom, Mm. God's Word. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mm.
0: Regis. Scott.
3: The first point that comes to my mind is that We need priests, and oh, how much we need them to save a 1,000 souls. I mean, we have doctors to heal 10,000 bodies, but I mean, we need priests as much as we need food and drink, and that's the Eucharist. As much as we need breath, that's the spirit that comes in baptism, of which the priest is the ordinary minister. And I just think we have to recognize how great that need is in order to understand why we should commit ourselves to daily prayer for an increase of holy and worthy vocations to the priesthood as well as the religious life and holy matrimony. The second thing is something that you said during the break, and that was uh, that when you get ordained, you have a target on your back because Satan is out to get you. This is why we need to pray for priests. But I would also add something, and that is when a man becomes a priest, the Blessed Virgin Mary falls even more deeply in love with him. And however much he is hated by Satan, he is infinitely more loved by God and the Blessed Mother of God. And I I would encourage priests to not only cultivate that devotion through the daily rosary to Our Lady, but to also have lay people, family members, pray the rosary for those seminarians and priests as well. And lastly, I think of one priest in particular who's probably in my life experience, the most fulfilled man as man, and that was Father Michael Scanlon, who for decades was the spiritual father of this university family, and he was the president, he was the chancellor, he'd once been the dean, but as he said on countless occasions, the one title that just outstrips all the others is Father, Mm -hmm. and that's how we knew him. He was a father to us all, and he baptized Jeremiah, Joseph, and David, and the first two of those three are in the seminary, and I remember going to visit him as a family when he was uh, in a convalescence, you know, he was uh, getting very old, God rest his soul. And, you know, and he just kind of woke up physically but spiritually, too, and he, he gave them spiritual direction. He heard their confessions, you know. and. And I won't, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I I think that their own sense of spiritual awakening to the vocation, to the priesthood can be traced back in part to that encounter Mm. with his spiritual fatherhood. Mm -hmm. He baptized them, he encouraged them, he heard their confession, and all of a sudden we see this full flowering, to God be the glory. And let's just continue to pray for more vocations. But to continue praying for our priests as well thank you for your work there is no other book out there that is so encouraging than to save a thousand souls for men but also indispensable the other book for families who have men who have that sense of vocation thank you, thank you. Thank you.
1: father you know pope benedict pope emeritus benedict said nothing can replace the ministry of priest in the heart of the church mm. we have to have priests we're catholics and that means God is calling a sufficient number of men to become priests. That's right, right. They're not answering. They're not able to hear because they're not spending time in the classroom of silence, mm-hmm. the secular world. Um, I'll often, you know, speak that a, a priest is um, a priest wears black for death, but he carries an Easter candle with him wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I the image I always give is a priest is standing in the surf, and the water's up to his waist, and he's holding the candle, and he says. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And a tidal wave of secularism crushes him and rolls him through the shelves. And he gets up and he holds the candle and it's still lit, it's even brighter. And he (laughs) says, Jesus Christ is Mm. the way and the truth and the life. And another tidal wave hits him. (laughs) This is what a priest is. And the the, the light of Christ will never be extinguished. Mm. And the darker it is, the brighter it shines. Mm. And our job as priest, is to bring this Jesus to the world. And people, he's the answer to which every human heart is the question. Even if they don't realize it, he is the answer. Yeah. And that's the beauty yeah. of our lives as priests. And I would just say, if anyone listening, um, please give Jesus a chance. Yeah. If you're a Catholic young man, please say, Lord, is this your will for me? No. Don't, if, if he's calling you to be a priest, it is the greatest gift you could have been given. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 Thank you, Father. This has been a great topic for us to discuss today. If you've enjoyed what you heard, in addition to going out and buying the books to save a thousand souls, as well as a priest and a family, but we have an excerpt from the book here for you, Signs of a Vocation to the Catholic Priesthood. You can get that at Faith and Reason um, or just for asking. There's also an exercise in here um, that you can you can take on discernment. Um, it's, it's some great resources for you. So if you you yourself or you know somebody who is uh, considering uh, the priesthood, or wondering if they have a vocation it's always good as a little gift uh, to nudge them along you might be that uh, that person that gives them that insight um, when when we look at the priesthood it springs forth from from uh, alive holy families and we need to all of us embrace our calling to really live our vocation fully so for priests, Thank you. Thank you for your call. Live up to that standard and be that witness for others. For families, let's make sure we're not only praying, but we're living uh, the Gospels in such a radical way that people want to follow and listen to God's call in our lives. Um, Thanks for watching today's program. I want to invite you to be a part of Franciscan University's mission uh, to educate, to evangelize and send forth joyful disciples by coming to Steubenville and and taking uh, classes and earning your degree or doing so online or maybe in joining us at our summer conferences or our holy pilgrimages traveling around the world or for great resources, uh, see faithandreason.com. Father, could you give us your blessing?
1: Absolutely. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you, we praise you, we adore you, we thank you for all you've done for us, and we ask that you pour your grace upon our hearts and give us that gift of trust in you and in your will for us and help us to be generous and say, yes, do whatever you will because your plan is our peace and our happiness. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen download the free handout on today's topic go to faithandreason.com email your request
0: for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu at faithandreason.com you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University presents or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling 888 381 that's 888 381 or call 740. 740- Two eight three six three five seven.